Hello, everyone, and welcome to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, the founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor thriving with stage four disease and author of the book that shares the same name of this podcast, Happiness Through Hardship. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great. But sometimes it takes a little more. And this podcast will provide you with what worked well for me, success stories of people that have been through hard times, and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. I hope you've been able to catch our recent episodes, including one with my husband, where we have a candid conversation about being a caregiver. Or another recent episode with the sleep whisperer, Ingrid Pruer, who provides a ton of tips about sleep, stress, and self-care. Now, if you've liked these episodes or others, please tell your friends and do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe. Your efforts truly will help this podcast get ranked higher and thus get noticed. And now for this episode, I am so excited to introduce you to Sarah Cody, a veteran journalist and TV anchor, three-time Emmy winner, published writer, and co-host of the Parenting Beyond the Headlines podcast. As we all know, there is a ton going on in the world right now, which leaves many of us stressed when just thinking about the news. Sarah shares with us how she has managed to take care of herself while being immersed in so many hard news stories. She talks about the value of being mindful about your media consumption, the importance of sharing the news with your kids in a relatable manner, and how it's actually okay for us to think differently than our family and friends. She is a spectacular journalist and an even more amazing person. So please, grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to introduce you to veteran journalist and anchor, three-time Emmy winner and published writer, Sarah Cody. She is dedicated to covering important family issues and has received numerous awards, including a Food Allergy Hero Award, which is near and dear to my heart because I have a son with a peanut allergy, a Mental Health Media Award, a Local Leader, Local Legend, Unsung Hero Award, and can often be seen in the Connecticut community attending numerous local fundraisers. She's even danced the Roomba in a Donate Life Connecticut event and hosted her own storybook sessions on social media. As you can tell on paper, she is amazing. And in person, she's even more spectacular. While she's interviewed big names like John Bon Jovi, Julie Andrews, and my all-time favorite, Marky Mark, Mark Wahlberg, she treats all of her guests, including me, like we are important and her priority. She is kind, she is funny, and authentic on and off the camera. She's also the co-host of Parenting Beyond the Headlines podcast that helps parents understand what's going on in the news and how it affects their families. Now, as we all know, there is a ton going on right now, which leaves many of us stressed out just thinking about the world and the news surrounding it. Sarah's going to share with us how she manages to put one foot in front of the other while being so close and covering many of these news topics. Hello and welcome, Sarah. I am so grateful that you are here doing this podcast with me. 
Karen, thank you so much for having me on here. And thank you for all of those kind words. I so appreciate them. I think the world of you and I am so glad that we're supporting each other's podcast. And I just have to say um, a little addendum to that intro. Yes. Marky Mark actually gave me a kiss on the cheek. <gasps> Very proud of that fact. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, you know, because I said earlier, I love, love, love Marky Mark. I loved him as a, you know, musician back in the day. I love him as a comedian. I love him as a serious actor. You getting a kiss on the cheek with him. Was that recently? <laughs> was that years ago? Tell me about it. It was years ago. So my older son was a baby and he's 17 now. So we can do the math. Okay. And I met Mark Wahlberg at um, Mohegan Sun. He was there for an event. And we started, and, you know, we both had the Boston connection and we started to talk about our babies. Yeah. We both had uh-huh. babies. We just had this like warm, wonderful chat. And as he kind of moved by me and said goodbye, he gave me a little peck on the cheek and I was losing my mind. I called my husband. I'm like, Marky, Mark, oh. my cheek. Marky, Mark, my cheek. And my husband's like, uh, I'm yeah. your husband over here. <laughs> and have you ever get done it. that before? You talk- get it. <gasps> Oh my gosh, that is a memory. That is a memory that I that I will always keep now, um, knowing that Mo, yeah, like, it was fun. That you got a kiss on the cheek. So I also wanted to ask you about because I don't think we ever talked about this before, about the um, your sort of dancing with the stars moment. You're dancing the Roomba. I had always wanted to do that. I'd always seen people on the news dance in these charity dance-offs, and I always thought I wanted to do it, and Donate Life Connecticut asked me if I would do it, and I jumped in and said yes. And I had to find my own partner. So a lot of these contests, yeah, you're matched with like an Arthur Murray instructor or whatever, and that's who your partner in the contest is. This one was different, where it was two amateurs being taught a routine. Oh, wow. So... I asked my husband if he would do it with me. He said no. Okay, same I with mine. Jim he would Altman, do the same way. Yeah. I asked Jim Altman, who was my TV husband at the time. We co-hosted Day Trippers together for Fox 61. I asked him if he would be my partner. He said, he said no. No. And as he said no, a friend of mine was there doing our hair because we were taping a Day Tripper special. And he said, yeah, I'll do it with you. And I was like, Done you're in. And he makes this joke that like once he said he would do it, I just was like, we were just in. Like he could not get out of it again. So I danced with my hairstylist who has become one of my best friends. And oh my gosh, we had a blast. It was terrifying. And one of the best things I have ever done. Oh my goodness. That is so, I, I danced as a kid. And so I think I would love doing something like that. But to your point, I don't know who would do it with me because my husband, yeah. my husband, thankfully like slow dancing, you know, back when we would, were on the wedding circuit, <laughs> he would do a lot of that, but he is not, you know, he is at the bar with the drink and I am on the dance floor sometimes by myself, uh, but oftentimes with friends. So I, I am, adore that story. I love it. Love it. Love it so much. Yeah, and it's, it's, it was, it was fun. It's awesome to think of all these amazing opportunities, fun, entertainment-wise, that you've you've gotten to participate in or you've gotten to work because of your job as a reporter. We're here today. I want to hear your story about you know, how you became a journalist or why you wanted to be a, a journalist, but also to share with us, you're covering the news, which sometimes covering the news is really tough. Yeah, I think... You know, I think it's like probably being a doctor or being a nurse. I think you do somewhat get desensitized to some of the tragedy of it at a certain point. But then there are the certain stories that just hit you hard, you know, hit you in the gut and change the way you do things and change your perspective on things. And, you know, we started this podcast talking about 
all the celebrities that I interviewed. And that was that two-year period where I was doing that arts and entertainment segment for Fox um, happened because I covered 9-11 and covered a 9-11 story for uh-huh. every day for a year after that. And after a year, my boss pulled me into his office and he said, Sarah, I think you need a break from doing these stories. And I think the public needs something uplifting in the newscast. Will you launch an arts and entertainment segment? And I think we all need it. And I said, yes, I absolutely will. So all of those sort of fun stories actually came to be um, because of a hard time. And, you know, covering 9-11, looking back, it was a very pivotal moment in my career. Um, I worked nights at that point. So the night, and I lived in Fairfield and worked in Hartford. So the night before I had worked till 1130, gotten home at 1230, gone to bed at 1 a.m., and was sleeping in the morning when my husband came in and he, he worked down by the World Trade Center <gasps> and just happened to be home that day. Oh my goodness, Sarah, and he I ran no in idea. and woke me up. Yeah, he came in and woke me up and turned on the Today Show and said the first plane just hit and I sat up in bed and we watched the second one hit together. And then the phone rang and it was the station saying, we're sending Mike, the photographer, down to get you. And we're going to send you to Stanford to get people coming out of the city on the train. And Mike is someone who, the photographer that picked me up that day, is someone who works with me still at News 8 and is a dear friend of mine. So that's a, that's a day that we share. Um, we got in the car kind of in a fog, headed down to Stanford, and it was one of the hardest days of my life. I think everybody, I think a lot of people feel that way and share that with me. And it was one of those things where you get through the day and it was scary. Like you just kind of didn't know minute to minute what was happening. And, um, I got home in the middle of the night, crazy day, of course, for everybody got home in the middle of the night and just curled up in a ball. And just, I just remember sitting on the floor, curled up in a ball, like what just happened. And, um, I also felt honored to cover it for everybody. I I started anchoring at News 8 recently, uh, coincidentally, right at the start of the pandemic in March. And I feel honored to do that, too. I mean, it's such a hard time, but to bring people the news on these pivotal days is uh, something that means the world to me. Um, But it did, 9-11 did set off in motion like I said, a year of covering it for me. And that was a time that really changed the journalist that I am. I think I I do a lot of sensitive stories now where I walk into people's homes and tell the story of them advocating for their child with a disability or whatever. And I'm able to make people feel comfortable and able to bond with people quickly. I think because I went through that year of covering the 9-11 families. I mean, I had to go into people's homes that were grieving and bond with them and make them feel that I would share their stories appropriately and, and connect with them. And, you know, you have to find that gray, that fine line when you're interviewing people of like, what do exactly do I ask right now? How do I ask it in a way that's sensitive? How do I, you know, all of those things, totally framed who I am as an interviewer today um, in a really important way. So that was a very pivotal time for me. And I think you asked why I went into this business. I set my sights on it in college. And I think 
for me, that was important to have that focus and kind of know what I want to do and throw myself into it. Thank goodness it worked out. And I did love it as much as I thought I would. But I was interested in college, in law, in politics, and in public speaking. And I kind of wrapped all those interests into a job in the news. And it's been a job that I really threw myself into and have really loved from the get-go. Just felt very fulfilled by it. Wow, Sarah, there's so many different directions I could go with this conversation. I think just on a side note where I I had this moment as you're talking is I lived in Manhattan during 9-11. I uh, was on a train to Stanford because I worked in Stanford. And so to think that like I was getting off the the train uh, after after the first, I was on the train after the first plane hit. And to think that I, I have so many vivid memories. I obviously, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful that I, um, that I'm okay. And my roommates were okay. And, and, you know, other people I know obviously had, did not have that experience, but, uh, that, you, you know, you may have very well been standing near me amidst like everything going wow. on and we're, we're, um, in two totally separate worlds, but yet are experiencing something so similar. And I think there's a lot of people, right. a lot of people that that have shared a, a similar story like that because we all can remember where we were back then. Mm-hmm. And vividly, you know, now I can't believe it's almost 20 years. I, I interviewed I somebody, uh, you know, a few episodes ago whose husband passed away in 9-11. And we both, her son, she had him six days after. And he... Um, You know, he's, he's 19 now. And and so the time I think, um, so I don't want to digress and take a left turn here, but I, you know, for everybody who's listening right now, I think it's, it's in the textbooks for our kids, but it's so personal to us. And to hear you then talk Mm -hmm. about how you came home after working what sounds like almost 24 hours and you just laid on a ball on the floor, like you're human and this, you're working yeah. and you're poised and obviously this, it taught you so much, but that you're human too. And that this is all just heart wrenching. And how, was there anything small or big that you did during that year that kept, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want sanity, but when, when, when being surrounded by such grief and such angst that helped you yeah. get through that. Oh, I think um, that was a time in my life where I had gotten married in 2000 and we had bought a new house in Fairfield, which was the cutest little house you could imagine. And I think I came home and just really tried to focus on my life and my new husband and, and where we wanted to go. Um, But I do remember it being an all consuming time of work and that being okay and feeling appropriate at the time. I was asked by the National Guard, uh, so 9-11, you know, was September, and I was asked by the National Guard to accompany them on a trip to their base in Bosnia right before Christmas and to tell the story of how that base, how the Connecticut soldiers were supporting the global peace effort after 9-11. And that was an incredible experience, something that I I knew I had to do it. I mean, I didn't hesitate to say yes, but we were, we had just gotten married. I was thinking of having a baby and I knew that once I started the family, those types of things were not going to be doable. Right. So 
I jumped at it and that was an incredible experience. And we, um, we went over to Germany and went to the, um, yeah, Ramstein, the, the base over there to see, um, where the soldiers went when they were hurt. And we, we just, it was an incredible trip and we taped Christmas messages since it was right before Christmas, um, to bring home, to show the viewers in Connecticut of their, their soldiers, soldiers overseas. So it, you know, it just was a time where work was all encompassing yeah. because of what was going on in the world. And because of the stage I was in, in my twenties, you know, it was the time to do that. So, but I do, you know, to get, to get through the tough times, the grief, I leaned on my husband, I, I made sure that I love to walk on the beach in Fairfield. As uh-huh. you know, I went yeah. there all the time. Just little self-care things like that, that well, I think we, we always need to do. And, and I love that message. I believe, you know, wholeheartedly with Pretty Wellness, it's all about taking small steps towards health and, and happiness. However you can find that, however small it is, even when life is really tough, whether work is tough, whether it's personal life, I think that is such a strong message. Um, and I'm curious now being that you're, you've grown in your career and here you are anchoring, uh, the weekend news for WTNH, um, also hosting the podcast. Can you share with us some thoughts for people? I'm sure you've heard it, that they're really stressed out about what's going on in the world right now. And, they don't know how to deal with, um, you know, there's so many different messages, whether it's from media, whether it's from friends, how would you suggest as a seasoned, you know, media expert, people deal with their stress around media consumption? I'm with them, by the way. I mean, not, 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 not necessarily over the media consumption aspect, but about what's going on in um, our country and our world. Yeah. It's a tough time, you know, it's just, when the when the start of the pandemic happened, um, I turned to my colleague Rich Capola, who I've worked with for years, and we had this conversation about how like it just felt like everything was different, like it felt after nine eleven, and that's a disconcerting feeling when everything you feel like you hang your hat on, you know, that brings you comfort, is kind of tossed up in the air, and I think we all had that collective feeling, so. You know, I think there's been um, some finger pointing at the media. And I would just want to say from somebody who's in it, what I see is hardworking people who are putting themselves on the line often to go out and to cover these stories for people to get the information that they need. I mean, I have always, always throughout my career only seen hardworking people trying to do their best and, and bringing the public what what they need to know. Um, that said, I think if media consumption is too much for you, limit what you take in, Yeah, you know, and make, make sure my mother has had to do that. I think for elderly people, it's this whole time has been very scary. So, you know, don't have it on all the time, find other things to fill your bucket. And, um, you know, something we talked about a little bit with the local news, it's been very, I found my niche kind of in my forties, right? Like I've kind of found my niche of doing these sort of inspiring family stories that I love to do that people really seem to respond to. And so for a while there, I I continued to do my segment, but we really switched it to be pandemic based, meaning, oh, if your child is having sleeping issues, 
because of being home and the schedule different. Here's some advice. Like stories like that more than kind of my normal inspiring family stories. And I'm back to doing those again now, which feels good. And some of them have a pandemic spin. Um, But I think watching your local news and picking out those segments that make you feel good, it's not all gloom and doom. We want to be sure that it's not, you know. Um, That is why I love local news. And I I think I've told you before, if not, I've probably told this podcast. Ever since I was a little girl, I joke around, I wanted to be Pat Miles. Pat Miles was the local anchor for our NBC affiliate in Minneapolis where I grew up. And what I loved then as I jumped into my career being a publicist is I really loved the fact that, well, local news would cover my, I worked for Target Center Arena and we had all sorts of like fun family shows, entertainment stories, feel good community engagements that they would cover and they would tell the story. And sometimes there was a charitable approach and sometimes there was just a feel good approach. And I, 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 I've always loved local media for that. And so I think I see that. I mean, hey, that's why I do my wellness segments on WTNH because they care enough to show their viewers about, you know, they care about them. They care about wellness. They care about self-care. And so, I mean, I'm that has always been my thought too, is, is you figure out, like, it may not be for everybody, but for many people, there is there is a touch of, I mean, that's why it's local news. It's you can connect with something in yeah. your community because of it. Right. And you get to know the people who are telling you these stories and they become people in your house that matter to you. And you know what I mean? So yes, I think holding tight to that local spirit in this time or in any time is, is, is great. And we certainly try to appreciate that and, and, and make those connections. Now, do you have any advice? I know I've listened to your podcast a number of times and not just the ones that I have been on. Thank you. But for Parenting Beyond the Headlines, a few weeks ago, you had an episode with a professor from Quinnipiac where she talked Mm -hmm. about all the media messages, talking about what's going on in the world with your kids. So I don't want to give too much away from that episode. I want people to talk about it, but I want to know what some of your key takeaways were, what you thought was important in terms of how to communicate media or what's going on in the world to the kids. Well, her name is Laura Mutre, and I thought she was great. And, you know, as you said, it's a 25-minute podcast that anyone can go back and find. Uh, we are parenting beyond the headlines like you were kind of on all of the podcast um, outlets. We've got, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Um, she said, you know, I think as I go on in being a parent, I've learned how much, how important modeling is, modeling for my sons. And she said, you know, in terms of this, modeling is great. Like in the past, we would have taken our kids to vote with us, right? I took yeah. the boys a couple times yeah. to vote with me. And that was a very interesting experience to have them sit there and kind of see what, what mom, from a distance, you know, what mom was doing. Well, um, and I meant to text you. might not be able to. Because I, I meant I meant to text you when I heard that because my mother had always always took me to the polls when I was little, and so I yeah. never used the word modeling. But when she said that, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's what she did, and now that's what I do for Kyle. Yeah. Um, although you right. were talking about this year, it might be a little different. But well, she was funny. We're talking about how I took my kids to vote, and all of a sudden she was like, yeah, but this year because people might be afraid to bring their kids to the polls, and that's understandable. So you know, then sit with the absentee ballot and explain. Yes the um, process. She also said, make things very relatable to kids. 
you know, take an example in their lives. Um, I think she touched on that with the racial injustice going on and mm-hmm. the, the um, different protests and that kind of thing and how to talk with them about that. And, you know, pick a pick a episode in their classroom that they felt was unfair and relate it kind of to that in a way. So always sort of take it back to something that they will um, understand. And of course, all of this, she was very clear in saying is age, you got to kind of make your right. approach different in terms of the age your kid is. And once your child gets to be a teen, like mine are, like we have spirited conversations about <laughs> this stuff. And and for now, anyway, our our opinions are kind of aligned, but you know, there could come a time where you don't agree. You know, you've got an Alex P. Keaton in your house. Yes. <laughs> that was a throwback comment, right? From family ties. But like, you've got someone else in your house who doesn't believe what you believe. And you have to be able to say to them, like, we can have these different yes. ideas. We can have these lively debates. And, and it's okay. And that, I, 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 that was a point that really stuck with me. I and mean, now my son's 11 years old, so he's, we're, we're not having that deep of conversations yet, but I have friends that have high school students. I mean, you being one of them that, that we don't know, uh, they may grow to have very different opinions, whether it's politics or even anything else that's going on in the world. And so she had some good advice there in terms of, you know, listening is key. It's not always about, I mean, you know, I'm so used to providing my opinion, but, uh, you know, as, as, a, well, as a growing child. This political landscape has somehow really divided people and even divided families. I hear it all the time from my friends. I've experienced it some of it, some of it in our family as well. And we talked in that podcast a little bit about how Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Justice Scalia were yes. such good friends and you know, voted differently and disagreed on many things, but could always find a way to have fun together and enjoy each other and respect each other's um, differences. And somehow for a lot of us, it's gotten lost. And so I, I thought that was just a great little legacy piece that RBG left us among uh-huh. a billion other things. Yes, right, right. Um, to just do that it's okay for us to think differently and want, you know, have, have different ideas. It really is. And as long as we look at each other with respect, it's all good. I think that is just, I hope that that lesson stays out there because that is such a beautiful thought for our kids. Yeah. Not just for us, yeah. a reminder to us. I mean, hey, we, I, I always feel like we lived in a simpler time 20 years ago growing up, uh, but for our kids moving forward because life is complicated it always has been, but in a different way now, I sure. think, because we are all so connected more so we can't escape some of the ways that we used to be able to escape when we're kids because we're surrounded by that connectivity. So yeah. one more thing, taking a little bit of a left turn now, I was thinking you obviously work with the upcoming generation as new media journalists, producers. What kind of advice could you give? I, I wasn't really planning on going this way, but because I think we both love media so much, what advice would you give the next generation in terms of covering the news and whether how they do it or or the integrity behind it? Well, I'll get there in a second, but in general, when I talk with, I, I used to get called into my kids' schools to kind of lead these little um, career discussions often. And in general, I give the younger generation the advice to have focus. I think, you know, I saw a lot of my friends graduate from college and not know what they wanted to do. 
Um, and I, and I'm, I'm not saying I did everything right. I did not, but I had like this focus of what I wanted to do. And I always felt that that was important to kind of know where I was going. You and I talked about my dog barking on podcasts. My, my dog is barking. Karen. <laughs> you, no, I can't. Should I go grab should I go oh, grab can't? my dog? So no, bad. I can't. I can't. Can you guys right, hear good. it? Maybe it's a dog. It's maybe I'll go grab my dog All and right. they can bark at each other. <laughs> they can just have a little <gasps> sing along. Yeah. Um so anyway, I think having focus is really important. And then in terms of um the media, I think this generation of journalists needs to pivot. You know, they need to know how to do a lot of different things, right? I don't think that sort of um, you talk into a camera and you have a photographer model is going to exist forever. I think right. you need to be able to write for uh, online and also be able to go um, on camera. And then I think you need to be able to maybe edit yourself and that kind of thing. So I think it's really going to be important for this next generation to pivot and have a ton of skills and say, this is all that I can offer. Well, and I think I know right now, whether it's the the parents, the moms who are listening, who may have kids that are going to college or just graduated college, it is a, I, I have to assume, I, you know, my kid's not there, but it's a tough jo- job market. What I have said to, I guess anybody will listen, some of my interns as and well as my nephew and some of his friends is that while it's probably really challenging right now, there's also so much opportunity to take your passion and do something with it because that could be helpful down the road. Like I can speak for our sons that both love sports and they're writing with it. They're doing, you know, Sam's doing some YouTube as well. Kyle's not yet, Mm -hmm. but, um, I encourage people like during the pandemic, I, I, you know, Kyle was done with his work pretty quickly and he started a website and it kept him busy. It kept him focused. Now, again, he's 11. He's not going to be pitching that to, to any colleges he wants to get into, but I'm hoping that it sets that it sets him up in his own mind to be confident knowing like, Hey, I can do stuff with my hobby and maybe Mm -hmm. that will serve him well in the future. And so I say to my interns all the time, like if you love this, this or that, and you're interested in communications, right? You know, if you're interested in a different line of work, well, you know, that might be, you may need to find an internship or a volunteer virtually right now with somebody who would need it. But there are a lot of ways to get involved on a volunteer. It's a good point. I mean, I think internships are so important. They were so pivotal to my career and to get in there and see the job and do the job, I think is so important. And then like you're saying for me to get on camera, I had to apply to a million stations and make a demo reel. And, you know, it was this very traditional process. Whereas now these, this new generation has YouTube, has social media, has different ways to get out there. And it may not glean the same success or the same kind of job. I don't know, but you know, like what Sam and Kyle are doing, they're starting in their own way and they're yes. building their own resume in a very different way than I, I, I could have. Right. And um, they're, they're building taking, the confidence that, yes. you know, that yes. if they ever get the opportunity that, you know, you're right. The, the, just because doing a YouTube channel doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get the next job at WTNH. However, right. you're becoming comfortable on camera or mm-hmm. writing quickly. So I think for those that are out there listening, whether you're the parents, uh, you know, or, or maybe you are the college student or the job seeker right now, there are a lot of things that you can do in the meantime to help 
put one foot in the right direction of where you want to be. So um, anyway, I am Sarah. I'm so grateful that you were here. And I would love if you would be willing to end out, uh, to close out this episode as I do with most by playing the grateful game with me. Now, what I would we, love to. I, what we do is I will just come up for those who are new to us as I play this game with my son most nights before bed. And we come up with a time amount. I'll do 30 seconds for us, Sarah, and I'll kick it off. And I list what I'm grateful for and why. And it doesn't have to be big things because I hope you know that I'm so grateful for you as a professional, as somebody that has been a role model for me in this podcast, as a friend. Uh, I am so grateful for my health. All that stands. But sometimes it's the little things. If we look for little things that we're grateful for and why, it can help us get through the dark days. So I'm going to start now. All right. 30 seconds okay. for me. I Let me just say that I am so grateful for my son's new school. Uh, I know maybe that's a big one, but he's transitioned into middle school and they have done so much to try and connect with us virtually and keep communicating with us, whether it's the travel patterns that need to change because more people are driving or if it's the, um, hey, there's an expert that's going to come on tonight via Zoom. They've really done a lot to, as we use this word a lot, pivot. Schooling was so different a year ago and I'm grateful for that. Um, I am grateful for my new smoothie that I had this morning that Kyle liked and shared with me. I always throw frozen cauliflower in it, and it was a way for us to get a little bit of protein, get a little bit of vegetables to start out the day. Um, and so it's always fun. And there I am at two. But I guess I only gave was us 30, 30 seconds. seconds. So, yes, I'm tossing it to you. Let me know what you were grateful for and why. Um, I am grateful for you and for being on this podcast. I think your friendship is uh, very valuable to me. I was feeling kind of blue this week, and so I took my dog to the beach yesterday. And oh my goodness, just a walk on the beach. So grateful yes. for that yes. and grateful for her. She um, She's such a sweetheart, and she lifts me up when I need it. She seems to know it. And I, even though she barks during the podcast, you may have heard her. <laughs> I am very grateful for her. I'm grateful for, I'm coming upon a, the um, year of my dad's death, which has been so hard for me, and I've been so sad, and I'm trying to tap into gratitude within that to say I am so sad because he me meant so much to me, and I'm grateful for that, and for the time, he was 86, for the time that we had with him, and that he meant so much to us, and that's why it, it hurts so much, um, and I am incredibly grateful for my my family here in the house, the two boys and Paul, um, they're just, they mean everything to me. Yeah. Is that 30 seconds or that are you going to give me a cue? Um, that's 30 seconds. And that was so beautiful. And that, I mean, I know that you have been through so much and so many people with a loved one that were so close with passing away. And I am sorry, but I think it's a beautiful thing that you're trying to tap into gratitude with it too, because that brings out the happy memories and, um, you know, the positivity that he brought for you. So thank you for sharing that yeah. with us and, and for me for sharing that with me too. Uh, and thank you for being on the podcast. I think that this is a really relevant topic because so many people have angst about what's going on in the world and what they're seeing uh -huh. on media. And I think you 
brought, as always, like a ton of really useful suggestions and just relatable stories. So uh, I thank you. And for all the listeners out there, thank you for supporting me through my journey. Thank you for supporting this podcast, you being connected to us for your rate, reviewing, and subscribing to this podcast helps us um, connect and share the inspirational stories, which hopefully my goal with all of this is to show people that even through hardship, even through a tough journey, we can all find a little bit of joy. And so with that, I am- Oh, I'm sorry. You're such a ray of light. Thank you so much for having me on. Awesome conversation. And we'll do it again. Oh, we will definitely do it again. And Sarah, I mean, like I said, I, I, I feel like you and I have known each other for years because we always, <laughs> we always have such an, a meaningful, authentic, real conversation um, that goes in so many directions, whether it's this podcast, whether it's on the phone, whether it's in the TV studio. So I am giving you, Sarah, a big, huge virtual hug. And I'm it's right back at you. I'm sending it out to all you listeners out there. Thank you, thank you, thank you again. And bye for now, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to leave you with a quick thought, but first a request. Please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. You leaving a review helps us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. And tell your friends about us too. If you love us, they might as well. And now my parting words. We play the grateful game at the end of each episode and here is why. After my second diagnosis, I started to research who was thriving with cancer and what they were doing to be well. I learned that wellness is about consistent self-care creating practices that help improve your body and mind toward a state of good health. And for me, focusing on gratitude brings tremendous positive energy into my life. Now, I want to say that I am incredibly grateful for you, the listeners. Thank you so much for your encouragement, your support, and your interest in these powerful stories showcased on this podcast. I truly hope their words have brought a smile to your face and perhaps new knowledge, tools, resources that'll help reduce stress, improve health, and find a little bit of joy along the way. Now, if you haven't already, please follow me at Pretty Wellness on Instagram and comment. Let me know what you think, both of this podcast or some stories and information that you want to continue hearing about on Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. So thanks again for joining us today. I am sending you lots of happiness and great health. Bye for now.